Our text this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 6th division, and the 27th verse. And the question that is a part of our text is one that immediately grabs our attention. Because as you read those words, what Jesus is doing is, He is actually giving us a warning. But what He's warning us against is, He is not warning us against taking life seriously. Jesus was a man who was never frivolous about life. Taking life seriously, that's something that Jesus Christ always wanted us to do. And Jesus is not warning us in our text against a life well planned. Few words of Jesus have been more misunderstood than those in the Sermon on the Mount where he says take no thought or what Jesus has to say about taking thought. So in that Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Jesus is not forbidding us to plan ahead. Well, what then is Jesus warning us about? When Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow, Jesus is warning us against anxiety about tomorrow. He wants us to face tomorrow. He wants us to face next week. He wants us to have our eyes toward the future with an attitude of faith. An attitude of faith as opposed to an attitude of feverish and fretful anxiety. So the question that he asks appeals to our common sense. And Philip's translation puts it this way. Can any of you, however much he worries, make himself an inch taller? Folks, that's some encouragement that every last one of us needs this morning. And we need it because so many of us are worried. You turn on the 24-hour news cycle on the television, or you call up a page on the Internet, and there has probably never been a time in our history, in the history of the world, where there have been so many worried, anxious people as there are at this very moment. And quite honestly, though folks would like to blame it on circumstances, this widespread anxiety that we experience is not to be explained in terms of our circumstances. Worry is not a child of circumstances. Whether you worry or don't worry, it does not depend upon your situation. It depends on you. Whenever you find that your joy has been stolen by worry, it's an inside job. Whatever the cause, Right now, at this very moment, all across this nation of ours, multitudes of people are worried. Ignorant folks worry. Because they don't know any better. 
Educated folks worry because they're so smart, they know so much, they have a lot to worry about. Old folks worry because they're getting close to the sunset of life. Young people worry. Well, yeah, they've got so many years ahead of them in this crazy world that gets crazier all the time. Irreligious people worry because they have no faith. And there's a lot of religious people that worry because they have an inadequate faith. You see, all sorts of people worry. And not only do all sorts of people worry, people worry about all sorts of things. We worry about our bodies and we worry about our souls. Members in the pew worry about the pulpit. The pulpit worries about the members in the pew. At some point in life, we all worry about getting married. And then we worry because we are married. We worry about calamities that actually take place. We worry about calamities that never take place. And we worry far more about calamities that never happen. Do you consider yourself a good worrier? If you are a good worrier, and you put in more than a 40-hour week worrying, as most of us do, you can count on it that between 75 and 90% of the tragedies you've worried about never happen. And not only do all sorts of folks worry about all sorts of things, they worry at the very worst times to worry. We need this word of warning from the lips of the Lord Jesus. We need to understand, don't worry about things. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Which one of you, no matter how much you worry, can get an inch taller? If I could worry about it, I wouldn't want to be an inch taller. I just want to be about 40 pounds lighter. But worry is something we do at the very worst times. Write this down. It's on the final exam. Worry is utterly useless. The very heart of what Jesus is saying there, who can grow one bit taller by worry? Every one of us in this building has done plenty of useless things in our lives. Some have done more than others because they've been around longer than others. But they've done a lot of useless things. But nobody has ever done anything more useless than to worry. It never gets us anywhere. It never lifted a single load. It never solved a single problem. It never rubbed out a single wrinkle, but it's rubbed in a lot of wrinkles. It's been said that there are two classes of things that nobody should ever worry about. We should never worry about the things we cannot help. There are some things that if we are wise... We just simply 
accept. We might object to the law of gravity. But no matter how much we object to the law of gravity, it's nuts to argue with it. And there are a lot of things we'd like to avoid. If we could. But we can't. So we just have to meet those things we can't avoid without anxiety. Take for example the matter of growing old. Looking around this room this morning, I realize that's a ship that sailed for the majority of us sitting here. But over the years, I have known folks who were deadly afraid of the calendar. I have known folks that would not tell you how old they were for any amount of money. I read the other day someone said to a friend, you know, I, you just ought not to grow old. And the friend said, well, the only way I know to avoid growing old is to die. And that's too heroic a remedy for me to try. We also don't need to worry about the things that we can help. Instead of worrying, we ought to get busy helping so we don't have time to worry. Did you ever wake up 2, 2.30 in the morning on a cold winter night? The house is a little bit chilly and you're cold. And you need another blanket on the bed. And you laid there a minute, chilled and cold, and realized that there's another blanket in a drawer six feet away from you. But instead of getting up and going six feet to the drawer and getting in the blanket, you laid there and worried the rest of the night because you were cold. Uh -huh. I can see some of you have done that, haven't you? Uh -huh. I can tell. Now, it, worrying about it the rest of the night didn't get you any warmer, did it? Oh, but what a good time you had worrying about being cold. Wasn't that fun? We need to avoid anxiety. Because it's just so useless. And not only is it useless, it's harmful. It's harmful to the one who worries. It wrecks your health. It turns your face toward the cemetery a little sooner. Worry is the mother of many diseases, and it aggravates a lot of existing diseases. But worry is something that doesn't just hurt the worrier. It makes them a bear to have to live with. Those who worry are a burden to themselves, they're a burden to others, but more than that, they're a disappointment to the Lord. How often, while Jesus walked the dusty roads of Palestine, do we hear Jesus plaintively say to His friends, with obvious pain in His voice, Oh men, how little you trust me. 
We've got to remedy ourselves of this positive sin of worry. And there are two popular remedies people use that are guaranteed not to work. Some folks say, well, you know, once I get into an ideal situation, then I'll quit worrying. Guess what? It ain't going to happen. There is no ideal situation. And if there was an ideal situation, odds are you and I wouldn't get into that ideal situation. But if there was an ideal situation, and then if you and I managed to get into that ideal situation, it wouldn't take us long to mess it up. You don't overcome worry as soon as you get into an ideal situation. That's not going to happen. And you don't overcome worry simply by determining fiercely that you're going to stop worrying. We need to come to the realization that worrying is an acquired trait. Nobody has ever been born worried. When we come into this world, we caused somebody else to worry, no doubt. Soon after our arrival, we probably caused them to worry more than when we got to be teenagers. We really caused them to worry. But nobody was ever born worried. If you're an accomplished musician, if you're a skilled golfer, if you're an outstanding baker, cake decorator, or whatever, it's not because you were born that way. You got that way with practice. By the same token, if you are an accomplished warrior, it's because you've practiced and practiced and practiced the fine art of worrying. Worry is an achievement. It's an acquired skill. And anything that can be learned can be unlearned. If we're going to overcome worry, we've got to keep on good terms with our conscience. All of us have a conscience. And if we're going to have inward peace, we've got to give ear to the inner voice of conscience. We will never find peace until we stop fighting with God and stop fighting with our own conscience. To banish worry from our lives, we've got to redirect our thinking. We've got to look at sometimes the things that we approve instead of the things we disapprove. Think about what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. It's in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Paul said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are 
lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue. If there be any praise. What do you want us to do, Paul? Think on these things. Paul is not urging us to a blind optimism. And neither is Paul telling us, well, you just need to look at the bright side of life. Paul is encouraging us to have the sanity, to have the good judgment, to seek in our world, in our situation, in our church, in our friends, in our loved ones, to seek the things that are lovely, Instead of fixing our attention on those things that are ugly. And things that fill us with horror and disgust. If we're going to conquer worry. We've got to give our attention to the beautiful things. As well as to the ugly things. But the ultimate remedy for worry. Is faith in God. The same fatherly God who looks after the needs of the birds will supply our needs. We are to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. We're to cast our care upon Him in the realization that He cares for us. But above all else, We've got to develop an attitude of prayer. Again, in that Philippian letter, chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7, Paul writes, Be anxious. Did you catch that? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what's going to happen, Paul? And the peace of God, he said which passes all understanding, will dwell in your hearts through Christ Jesus. I read one time, I have no idea where it was that I read it over the last 50-something years of reading things. It all runs together. But I read about an aviator who was making a flight around the world. This was during the early days of aviation, around the same time that Lindbergh had made his flight to Paris. This aviator was about two hours from his last landing field and he heard a noise in his plane. And he recognized it immediately. It was the gnawing of a rat. And he realized that while he had stopped to refuel, the rat had entered the plane and was getting on with his work. The man's flying solo. He's got no way of knowing what part of his delicate machinery those sharp teeth are cutting on. And the pilot is filled with trepidation. And he's wondering, what should I do? And he doesn't know what to do. It's two hours back to the landing field. It's two hours to the next landing field. And then he remembered something. The rat was a rodent. And the rat had much smaller lungs than he did. And the rat was not made for the heights. It was made to live on the ground and under the ground. 
So he began to climb with his plane. He went up a thousand feet and another thousand till he was flying 20,000 feet in the air. And the gnawing ceased. When he landed more than two hours later, he came down safely at the next landing field and in the pit of the plane was a dead rat. Worry is a rodent. Worry is a rat. And worry cannot live in the secret place of the Most High God. Worry cannot breathe in an atmosphere that's made vital by prayer. So therefore in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We banish worry from our lives by belonging to Jesus Christ and by living His kind of life. Have you done that? Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life this morning? If Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all of your life, wait for it. You've never heard this before. He is not Lord and Master at all in your life. I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know if there are changes that you need to be making for Jesus to be the Lord and Master of your life or not. Maybe you've never made Him Lord for the very first time. Maybe you need to come in simple trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life, confessing His name, and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. And make Him Lord of your life and do that. Or maybe you've done that, but you haven't lived His kind of life. He hasn't been Lord of all of your life, and there are changes you need to make. I don't know. If there are changes that need to be made in your life, if we can help you make those changes... Come and let that desire be made known as together we stand and while we sing.